Hello listeners. Welcome to Itihasa, a Indic history podcast. And you're listening to the first episode of 2022 and the episode 52 of the season Vijayanagara. It's been almost 2 years since I started this podcast. In the season on Vijayanagara, that is so close to my heart. I would like to thank each and every listener who bothered to listen to this show. Write a review, talk about it online, share it with their friends or family, and last but not least, many of the loyal listeners who are enjoying the episode silently month after month. Your wait is over finally for the new episodes. Now that's out of the way, let's pick up where we left in December of 2021. In the last episode, we had looked closely at the political situation in the Gajapati kingdom. Its limitations from a strategic perspective, its army's composition. We also looked at the start of an explosive military campaign of Sri Krishna Devaraya against his Oriya rival in Andhra Desa, theater of war. And finally, we had ended the previous episode with the conquest of the Udaygiri fortress by the Vijayanagara army after a lengthy siege and after fighting off the dogged resistance of the gallant forces of the Gajapati army. In this episode, we shall continue the military campaign of the great Krishnadevaraya from where we left off in the last. The fall of Udaygiri did not satisfy the Vijayanagara emperor understandably. Now that he had tasted success against his arch-rival Prataparudra, Krishnadevaraya wanted to push the dagger even deeper. It is recorded that he had told his minister Saluvathimma as to how well he had fulfilled the ambition of the previous emperor Saluvanarsimha but added that he was not content with such a trivial victory for he desired to go forward a hundred leagues into the kingdom of Oriya so he ordered Saluvathimma to get ready with provisions and pay the troops their salaries Krishnadevaraya next turned his attention to the Kandukur fort that is 100 km away from the vanquished Udaygiri fort. Kandukur lay in between the Udaygiri and Kondavidu forts. So it was obviously an important fort in the string of forts that ought to be captured. The Kandukur fort was captured comparatively easily by the Vijayanagara army and after which it pushed to the stronghold Kondavidu and laid siege to it. the 17th to 18th century ethno-historical classic Rai Vachakamu states that Kondavidu fort surrendered within 36 hours and which is a gross exaggeration clearly. In this case, the Portuguese traveler Fernão Nunes' account is entirely different and might be a lot more credible. Kondavidu fort and its surrounding being a strategic stronghold for the Gajapatis The Gajapati king Prataparudra himself advanced to its relief with 1300 elephants, 20000 horses and 500000 foot soldiers. Again, some of these numbers might be inflated as it's common with most descriptions of the armies from this period. In response to Prataparudra's mobilization, Krishnadevaraya proceeded with the main army against him. and a river separated him from the advancing Oriya forces. The great Raya then sends a word to the Gajapati that he would retreat two leagues, which is 11 kilometers from the river. 
so that the enemy forces might cross the river unmolested and then join the battle the gajapati king without heeding the message made ready to give battle krishnadevaraya on seeing his determination he himself crossed the river about 38 kilometers of kondavidu but without all his forces there were many skirmishes in the crossing of the river and the losses on both sides were heavy despite this severe fighting and the opposition he met krishnadevaraya successfully crossed the river and on the river bank fought bravely to defeat the gajapati king and put him to flight the enemy lost many horses and elephants next krishnadevaraya turned back on the kondavidu fortress before which he had left a large portion of forces to continue the siege and prevent the inhabitants of the fortress from fleeing the defending forces that were pent up offered a stiff resistance and the siege lasted 2 months at the end of which the fortress finally fell it was supposedly taken by climbing the fort walls at kondavidu krishnadevaraya captured the celebrated oriya general kasavapatra who had opposed him on the field the capture of the general who was evidently the defender of the fortress and also the prince veerabhadra of gajapatis who was with him is also mentioned in the literary classic parijata abharam this poem further states as a well known fact that krishnadevaraya having caught prince veerabhadra that is the son of prataparudra alive with great kindness spared his life there were many others among the gajapati aristocracy and their allies who were taken as prisoners of war besides kasavapatra and prince veerabhadra it's clear from these records that all these chiefs princes nobles from the enemy camp had combined their forces at kondavidu and offered the utmost resistance possible it's no wonder that it took more than a few months to fully take the fort the presence of two muslim generals also shows the close cooperation that existed between adil shah of bijapur and prataparudra in this war against vijayanagara after the fall of kondavidu prince veeravadra then was put under an honorable house arrest by krishnadevaraya and by end of the war he had subsequently become a provincial governor in the mysore country under krishnadevaraya and did not commit suicide as stated by nunes and this fact is often corrupted in the usual narrative it is said that you know prince veerabhadra had committed suicide while trying to do an exhibition sword fighting match you know um which was organized by krishnadevaraya as an insult to this prince but that doesn't seem to be true and most of the records show that prince veerabhadra was alive and he became a provincial governor under the vijayanagara now nunes states that krishnadevaraya gave the command of kondavidu fort to his chief minister salavatimma so that he himself might freely go forward in the pursuit of prataparudra salavatimma however appointed one of his brothers to it 
the rai vachakamu on the other hand mentions one kondamayya as being ordered to garrison the fort it is possible that saluvathimma's brother was an administrative in charge while kondamayya was in military command of the fortress the next fort to be taken according to fernando nez was kondapalli which though not mentioned by rai vachakamu is confirmed by another source called krishna raya vijayamu nune states that krishna devaraya rapidly took all the country that lay on his march and suddenly appeared before kondapalli when he was least expected there the siege began and lasted 3 months which shows the nature of the resistance that was offered to the vijayanagara army in the fortress were found many people of high rank whom krishna devaraya took captive amongst whom was a wife or queen of the gajapati prataparudra and one of his sons who was a prince and seven principal captains of the kingdom all of them were sent by road to vijayanagara as prisoners of war we learn from the chronicler farishta's writing that the gajapati prince captured at kondapalli was referred to as ramachandra deva among other taken prisoners of war here and pardoned were according to the shri kalahasti record prahara raja shrishchandra mahapatra bodhijanna mahapatra and bijjali khan prahara raja mentioned here and the prahareshwara mentioned in amukta malyada are one and the same he was the main commanding general of the kondapalli fort and bijjali khan was a muslim general either in the service of the gajapati or had been sent by the kutubshahi king of golconda to defend kondapalli which at that time was under the joint protection of the gajapati and golconda kings and there was a treaty of alliance between both of them at that time according to the rai vachakamu and krishna rai vijayamu the fort of vinukonda surrendered next one bhaskaraya was placed in charge of it forts of bellamkonda and nagarjunakonda followed next and were garrisoned by veerabhadraya and ayyalaya among other fortresses taken on this occasion were addanki tangeda kelavaram and other strongholds situated in the modern districts of nellore and kuntur some of these were territories of the gajapati king and others of those belonging to the kutubshahi king of golconda according to the telugu literary classic parijata abharamu krishna devaraya next marched into the territories of ahmednagar the ally of gajapati before he proceeded further into the gajapati's kingdom as per fernao nunez after the capture of kondavidu krishna devaraya went forward 100 leagues that is 300 miles into the kingdom of gajapati and finding no one to stop him until he reached simhadri which is modern day simhachalam near visakhapatnam it seems probably that the telugu texts are correct in their mention of a detour into bidar sultan's territories before krishna devaraya reached simhadri apparently he met little or no opposition after the fall of kondavidu and this should have helped him to turn momentarily to disable the bidar sultan or the bahmani sultan 
especially as he would likely enough prove a thorn in his side if he had proceeded further without first neutralizing him in order to avoid being hemmed in between the bidar and gajapati forces krishnadevaraya advanced on ahmednagar the outskirts of the city were easily captured and a pitched battle was fought outside the city with the enemy losing 2800 of its cavalry the victory of the vijayanagara forces was so complete that the troops which garrisoned the fort inside the city voluntarily evacuated it and retreated into the interior the fortress was demolished and its site was plowed and sown with castor seeds as a revenge for the atrocities committed by the bidar forces in the vijayanagara territories with this done krishnadevaraya turned his attention to the gajapati territories once again his chief minister salavatimma was not in favor of further advance for fear of an attack on the flank but krishnadevaraya would not listen to him and continued his determined march while descending the eastern ghats the vijayanagara forces were attacked by one shitap khan who was on good terms with the gajapati ruler an intense fight ensued shitap khan's forces were soon hemmed in between two detachments of krishnadevaraya and was practically annihilated shitap khan lost 23000 of his archers and 4000 horses and was compelled to beat a hasty retreat krishnadevaraya detached 30000 of his own troops to guard the passes and marched on rapidly through the gajapati's kingdom conquering as he advanced until he reached putnuri simhadri he laid siege to the place where apparently the gajapati king had his palace fernao nunez describes it as a large city and adds that krishnadevaraya halted in it for 6 months waiting for the gajapati king to offer him battle fernao writes in his chronicles about this and here is an interesting excerpt quote he sent many messages to say that he was waiting for him in the field but he never came and in this city he did many works and gave alms to the temples and erected a very grand temple to which he gave much revenue and he commanded to engrave on it an inscription which says perhaps when these letters are decayed the king of oriya will give battle to the king of bisnaga if the king of oriya raises them his wife shall be given to the smiths who shoe the horses of the king of bisnaga unquote once again it's important that i remind the listeners of the hyperbole and fiction being added by fernao in some parts of his chronicles it's like he fills in the details that he's missing with his own dramatic imagination the contents of the inscription which supposedly insults the wife of a gajapati ruler was never found and there is no recorded evidence of it so this was pure dramatization by nunez while the giving of arms to the temples has been found to be true the erection of a very large temple seems incorrect the time of 6 months would have been highly insufficient for this purpose the grand temple that is being referred to in this excerpt is probably the famous temple of varaha narasimha swami in simhachalam 
it is dedicated to Vishnu who is worshipped here as Varaha Narasimha. As per the temple's legend, Vishnu manifested in this form, lion's head and a human body, after saving his devotee Prahlada from a, a murder attempt by the latter's father Hiranyakashipu. Simhachalam is one of the 32 Narasimha temples in Andhra Pradesh, which are important pilgrimage centers. It was regarded as an important center of Vaishnavism in the medieval period, along with others. The earliest inscription at the temple belongs to 11th century CE, recording the gift by a private individual in the era of Chola king Kolluttunga I. Simhachalam temple resembles a fortress from outside with three outer courtyards and five gateways. The architecture is a mixture of the styles of the Kalinga architecture, Chalukyas, Kakatiyas and the Great Cholas. Simhachalam is the second largest temple after Tirumala in Andhra Pradesh in terms of the donations that are received in the Hundi. According to Allasani Paddanna, the court poet, who supposedly accompanied Krishna Devaraya in this expedition against Gajapati king, mentions that this pillar of victory is said to have had engraved on it the titles and conquests of Krishna Devaraya instead of these unsubstantiated and classless insults against his opponent's queen. This also seems very uncharacteristic of Krishna Devaraya as he was well-renowned to be generous, respectful and kind to even his defeated enemies. And it's highly unlikely that he would dignify such a personal attack on a royal lady and a queen by engraving it on such an important monument of his. And not to mention corrupting such a victory memorial with such crass and vulgar insults. It's also important to know that the capture of Simhadri wasn't an easy affair. Both the Raya Vachakamu and Krishna Raya Vijayamu indicate in definite terms the tremendous odds that Krishna Devaraya had to overcome before he succeeded in his attempt. It is clear from these narratives that Puttanuru was the chief capital of Prataparudra of Gajapati on this side of the river. He had evidently concentrated all his forces there and had intended to oppose Krishna Devaraya here with the aid of his 16 feudatories called Mahapatras. Krishna Devaraya appears to have for once doubted the result of the struggle at this exact juncture. He had been drawn far into the interior and he had no idea of what might befall on him and his army if the Gajapati forces gained an upper hand. In short, Krishna Devaraya felt lured and trapped, and he indeed was. His overconfidence and ambition had fooled him into overstretching his forces dangerously, without realizing the fact that his blitzkrieg into the Gajapati domains had sucked him a bit too deep into the enemy territory. It wasn't by no means easy to get where he was right now, but it was clear to him that it was going to be a lot harder to extricate himself from the precarious position he ended up in unwittingly. And with this cliffhanger, we shall end this episode. 
In the next episode, we shall continue the fascinating military campaign of Sri Krishna Devaraya against his arch rival Prataparudra of Gajapati. We shall see if and how the great Raya gets out of this bind. I sincerely hope the listeners enjoyed this episode. If you did, please hit the subscribe button, leave a rating and a review wherever it is that you're listening. A huge thank you for taking the time to listen to the show. I hope to see you soon in the next episode. Till then, this is Narendra Vikram, your host and narrator, signing off. Hope you have a great week ahead.